Look, the synchronization on a Zoom call uh, is a Flexible. fucking nightmare. Yeah. Time is a flat circle, my friend. Uh, I'll tell you about Time Cube at one point. Is that the movie? No, it's uh, I, I, am I <laughs> it's a concept you're running. <laughs> time Cube. Uh, let me let me give you the uh, the brief summary from the Tumblr yeah, Wikipedia page. Give me the cliff notes. Uh, time Cube was a personal web page founded in 1997 by the self-proclaimed wisest man on earth, <laughs> Otis Otis Eugene Jean Ray. It was a self-published outlet for Ray's theory of everything called Time Cube, which polemically claims that all modern sciences are participating in a worldwide conspiracy to teach lies by omitting his theory's alleged truth that each day actually consists of four days occurring simultaneously. Alongside these statements, Ray described himself as a godlike being with superior intelligence who has absolute evidence and proof for his views. Ray asserted repeatedly and variously that academia had not taken time cubes seriously. I have uh, multiple issues with that, apart from the whole start review mental thing. Why does he call it time cube if it's occurring four days simultaneously? Oh, Cubes believe me, do there not are, have four sides. There are images to go along with this. But my issue is that cubes don't have four sides, nor planes, nor vertices, nor axes, nor dimensions. Yeah. Time square would have been better. Uh, hang on. Or me... just not doing it would have been better. I wonder if the website's still up. Give me, give me a sec. Oh, it's last archived on the Wayback Machine on January 12, 2016. That's sad. That's when the NWO got him. Yeah, let me see if I can bring it up and then I can screen share it to you because the website design is something to be appreciated. This is the thing. Earlier on today, I was oh, thinking about, no. do you remember the million dollar website? Yeah, I do. That was a great idea. I thought about that the other day because of, I don't know what. And I remember looking at it when I was in high school and being like, huh, that's weird. Um, it's genius. Yeah, but also like nowadays, a million pixels is fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Oh no! Does this no? Our Wayback Machine is not doing what I want it to. It's giving me Bet three six five ads. <clears throat> That's bad. That's pretty sad. Anyway, um, yeah, Time Cube. But if you could go back in the Wayback Machine and bet three six five on something, you could win a lot of money. <laughs> oh, it's it's like I, I saw a thing on Twitter today. There's a legitimate game on Steam which is five dimensional chess. Uh, let me hang on. Let me find the tweet and I'll I'll just read you the the text from the uh, the tweet because it's fucking. Uh, no, sorry, one of the Steam reviews. Uh, I was playing a game against a human opponent online, and at one point they sent a queen back in time from one of the ten timelines currently in play to put five of my past kings into check at once. That is the opening sentence on the Steam review. <laughs> and there are, like, on, on this tweet, there are, an, like, animated GIFs, essentially, of the way it looks. And it's, like, you're looking at this top-down grid of all these different chess boards, and then it, like, rotates, and you can move through the time. It's fucking buck wild. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I don't have the mental capacity for that yeah. and I'm pretty happy to say yeah. that I, I certainly don't have the energy for it well, I don't even know how to play regular chess and this shit is fascinating like the next not? no I never I never learned we should um, play sometime then, for money uh, no uh, the <laughs> next the, it, it goes on to say I sent one of my own pieces even further back to stall and they proceeded to send one of their queens back to the start of the game to try and beat me before I even got to that point I was able to maneuver one of my bishops in the second most divergent timeline into position to capture the queen in the alternate present 
Once we got back to that point and saved the game, I eventually won by checkmating their king five turns in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) It's great. Just... Good evening, folks, and welcome to Hey Brew. I don't know why I said evening, because you might be listening to it at a different time, but good evening, folks, and welcome to another episode of Hey Brew, the podcast about beer and storytelling and inconsistent intros. My name is Elliot. My name is Mike. And guess where we aren't? Hanging we're, out. Yeah, we're not together. It's back into ISO. Yeah. yeah. I'd actually like to, at the top, say, um, wash your hands, wear a mask, stay home, don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much that's that is our official position here at Hebrew. It's really think funny. Of, think of other people for a little bit, please. Yeah, that's actually our position in. Life. Anyway, uh, but what's really <laughs> funny is that I look. We've we've both looked at our like listener statistics globally, and unless it's just your VPN doing madness, we have listeners in places like Brazil. That that yeah. that advice works for you too. This isn't localized advice. Wear a mask. Yeah. Stay home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's 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 uh it's kind of like the any approach to illness. Like, if you can stay home, you should because it means that the people that yeah. can't uh, are therefore not at as much risk. Same thing with the masks. Same thing with all of it. Like, you you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for everyone else. Yeah. Please don't take us to saying that we apply that to all illness. We don't want we don't want angry letters. Partly because we haven't I mean, given an address, and that would be very confusing and scary. Hey, you know what? If you want to send us an angry letter, you'll have to wait till the end of the show to find out where to send it. <laughs> Scan it and email it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll All right. <laughs> so, obviously, as we are back in lockdown and there's no pubs and stuff, mm. Mike, you done any beer things? Well, I have. Uh, you know, as we talked about on the last show, I've, I'm finally able to buy buy beer again, uh, which is nice. So I've gone on a real stout rampage. Uh, I would call <laughs> a stout it. Now, rampage sounds yeah, just adorable. Yeah, now that now that it's cooler weather, I, I really appreciate mm. a, a darker, boozier beer just to kind of warm warm the uh, the innards, warm the, the soul, the, the cockles. Yeah, the cockles of my heart, or whatever that phrase is. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a do, you know, few- do you know what a cockle is? No, I've got no idea. It's like a small shellfish, quite tasty. Oh. Okay. I don't think it refers to that in this case, though. Okay. Uh, anyway, to beer. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had a, had a, a few from a different a few different uh, Australian breweries. Had a couple of the Hop Nation Pastry Stout trio that they put out. Oh yeah. What do you make them? Yeah. Well, so I've only had the banana and the coffee ones. Same. Because the peanut butter one apparently sold the fuck out, and that would have been mm. the one that I would have prioritized getting uh, because I love peanut butter. Uh, as we've probably spoken about before, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, no, the, the banana one kind of has a, a slight taste of, you know, the little banana uh, yeah. candy. It's a little bit like that, and I really appreciate it. Um, the coffee one, the coffee doesn't come through super strong, but it's it's a it's a it's a decent flavored stout. Anyway. This is my thing: is I've I've had both of those ones too, and not the peanut butter one. And I mm. would say that they are tasty, and they've got subtle flavor of that yeah whereas a lot of these like flavored stouts like well belching beaver peanut butter stout is peanut butter yeah that's been dipped in stout yeah it is a bit um 
Also uh, got my hands on the latest Garage Project and Trillium collaboration. Oh, yeah. Um, That's very was good. Was it Hazy Sunrise or something like that? I thought it was like Happy Days or something, Valley or something. Yeah, it's, some, it's Sunrise Valley. Sunrise Valley. That's what it is. Um, I've had a couple of cans of that and it is it is pushing up into the top of the list of my favorite Garage Project beer ever. Which is um, a list of probably some of your favorite beers ever. Yes, correct. Um, it like it is. It is kind of similar to the previous Garage Project Trillium uh, outing. Uh, was it the, the the Harpy Sessions one that they did? Yeah, um, I got to say, I preferred that one. I thought there was a yeah. bit more flavor to it. Okay, yeah. So it's like a what? A, it's a hazy Nipah something in that kind yeah. of ballpark. It's Trillium do that. And yeah, pretty much only yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but this latest one is like that good thick orange juice looking kind of beer. Oh yeah. Um, it's oh, it's so delicious. It's just it's a shame it's not quite the weather for it. I reckon mm. if it, if it was spring and you're getting some of those days where it's unreasonably warm out of nowhere, that'd be a perfect day to hit it because it's not going to get super warm to where you want something really refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that. I did I did very much enjoy it. I had it on um, the night before I started the big move, and I'd had a horrible day because I. I uh, hired a van from car next door and then had an accident in it. So right. I'd had a pretty shit day. So I trekked myself to fish and chips and I had one of those and like three other big beers and I had a great time. Um, yeah. It was a nice way to end my time in the old house. So yeah, yeah. it was a very good beer. Yeah. I, th- I think the, the other one I'll, I'll shout out real quick uh, is the, it's from uh, Capital Brewing out of uh, Canberra. Um, oh, is that stout? The first tracks Imperial stout. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's a limited release one that they've got out, but oh boy, is it a good one! It's like it sits at about ten point five percent, but man, is it tasty! Oh, I need to get hold of that then, because yeah, you've given it a massive write up. So yeah, it's a big ri- It's a big rating uh, mm-hmm. on the old, on the old Untapped there. Um, but yeah, th- those are probably the the ones that I can think of that were standouts. I've certainly been uh, moving through some beer again now that I can afford to purchase it. Yeah, man. Oh well, don't blame you. It's good times. Yeah. Um, on my side, I was mentioning to you earlier, I had the... Um, so One Drop, as we said, kind of came out of nowhere, at least mm. for us. Maybe in Sydney, they've been a thing for ages, but it feels like they came out of nowhere. And last night, we had the One Drop Nitro Blueberry Chocolate Muffin Pastry Imperial Stout, which, as you yeah, pointed like, out, is so many words. Well, like you, you said it earlier, and... Even hearing you go through all of those words again now, like I'm, I'm both hungry and thirsty. It's very confusing. Yeah, I'm just gonna go through it again so anyone listening can try and keep up. It's nitro, it's chocolate blueberry muffin, imperial pastry stout. Yeah, it's delicious. It it's, sounds it's like it's mad. Would be. Yeah. Um. So that was very yeah. good. And then also, I don't know if I told you this, Mike, but um, the week we moved in, or the week I moved in, we took delivery of our uh, kegerator. Oh, you did mention you were getting one. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I didn't know it had come. So last night we finished our first keg of Inner North Brewing Easy Pale Ale. Oh, nice. Yes, it was, and we just like we've just dialed it in so it's like pouring perfectly and everything. Um, so that's gone down very well. And then I've got the uh, Black Lives Matter Stout, which I'm hopefully going to be brewing on Saturday, which I'm very excited yeah, nice. about. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Should be good times. Well, I'll, I look forward to checking out this bit of equipment in I don't know two years when we're allowed to go to each other's houses again. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> should be um should be well worn in by then yeah i hope so yeah 
But yeah, that's, that's been great. What else have we had? I mean, me and Hobbsy will just disappear out and then pick up a few cans. And then, so it's been good. Did a couple of slabs of two birds, some community knees. So it's been some good beer action. And then one weekend when we were allowed to, I did go to Inner North. Um, so that was nice as well. And then that was it. Yeah. And we were never allowed to go out again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Kate and I went and got ramen like maybe the day or two days before everything shut down again yeah, and it was right. like this brief window of hope like they were social distancing they were actually being really good about it um did you go to dojo like this, uh no we went to uh there's shop ramen they've got a couple of joints oh, around yeah. but the one up the one up in preston um i'd never been to them before despite how close they are to me but holy shit was it good um i love ramen so much and then yeah it was like a day or two later and it's like hey back inside we go um so that was Yay. both both good and bad um that week yeah yeah oh. anyway <laughs> let's drink alone together yeah what do we have today well i uh, mean you know what i mean um let's see what we have today that'll do yes good recovery yeah. spirit it's not like how about that it. um <laughs> so today we are eating oh no that's not even close um today we are drinking and i'm going to bring up the pronunciation guide uh-huh um Kolsira Kolsori Kanit. Yes. Kolsori Kanit. Um from Two Birds Brewing. Uh and that is Two Birds Brewing, which is now very, 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 very close to my front door. So that's, that's great. Uh, that's good and dangerous. <laughs> it's I like excellent. it. Yeah. Um it is Two Birds uh, Vanilla and Cocoa Stout. So they've got two releases with this name that I'm not going to say a third time. Mm-hmm. Um, Kolsori Col- Karnit. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, neither of us are finished, so I'll just say, yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, um, yeah, this one's the Vanilla and Cocoa Stout. The other one's a Pale Ale. Um, I've had them both so far. Both pretty delicious, I'll be honest with you. Great yeah. little beers. Um and they are named after a Finnish word, which is uh, the feeling of getting drunk at home in your underwear with no intention of going out. And yes. I don't think that there is a more on-trend beer in the world. I think that the um, geniuses at Two Birds have hit the nail so spectacularly on the head there. Um, and yeah. good on them. Well, especially right now, right? Um, well, I think that's the point. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah. the intention. Uh, can I tell you a, a fun story about that word that I don't think I've told you before? Sure. Um, I wish. Uh, <laughs> hello, my middle name translates to pants drunk. Um, no, so when when like shortly after Kate and I started dating, um, you know, something like two and a half years ago, she's a bit of a word nerd, as am I. Um, and one of the things we both really enjoy is like foreign language words that completely encapsulate a weird concept like this does. Sort of like Schadenfreude. Uh, you might enjoy and, some of this episode. Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, and this this was one that I came across from someone I used to work with, and I I sent it to Kate like almost immediately, um, because of how great it is. It's uh, a quality word. Yeah, and it 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 was like almost like an early memory um, of when we were dating. So this is this is kind of nice. That's, to, uh, it's kind of cute. To, yeah, when you dropped off the can earlier, uh, and thank you again for doing that. It's quite right. Uh, I, I looked at it and I was like, huh, I remember this word. It's been a while since I've thought about it, but there it is. Mm. Well, good times. Yeah, I know that didn't sound it, but I did. I did mean it. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. 
I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cute story. So, this is a, that's a personal, what's it, what's the right, personal interest moment for the podcast folks. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Shall we drink some beer? Yeah, let's do that. I'm drinking out of my Rowan and Emily wedding glass. So that is a well, that's delightful. personal uh, personal touch of love. Yeah. I feel so single right now. <laughs> I did not mean for that to be where that ended up. Yeah, but you did it uh, anyway. Well, look. <laughs> nah. In the words of Radiohead, you do it to yourself, you do. <laughs> and that's what really hurts. <laughs> Uh, I also just realized a uh, unintended benefit of having this microphone in my office mounted on a boom arm is that I was able to rotate the microphone to a position where I could more comfortably open the can without having to hold it up next to my face. I thought, uh, honestly, you were just putting the ca- the mic to try and pick up some dick noises. It's either that or my stomach rumbling. Like, you don't know where it's going right now. Your dick could be rumbling. Yeah, you don't know what's going on down there. Let's taste this beer. <laughs> <laughs> delightful so I, I i as i mentioned i've had a couple of these already mm. um you should say to uh hobsy literal enemy of the show drank the ones <laughs> that you'd already purchased well, yeah so um, my new housemate <laughs> is um the uh aforementioned um previous friend of the show yeah now, now last saboteur night, yeah last night we were sat waiting to uh well, we were sat by our new fire pit that we were enjoying. He brought out two cans of it, and we were like, ooh, I was kind of saving those for the pod. He's like, oh, shit. I was like, it's okay. Had he already opened them at that point? Or just brought them out? Look, um, <laughs> I forget, but I don't think okay. I could be asked to send him back. And I was like, I did yeah, close yeah, yeah. to two words. And then I was yeah. like, whoops, better find out if they're open tomorrow. And they weren't, yeah. so I had to go sort something out. Better find out if you can still get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit wild, but here we are drinking it now. Yeah. Mike, initial thoughts? Because as I said, I've I've had it a couple of times already. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a tasty stout. I'll say that. Oh, um, yeah. What are we What are we looking at? Uh, vanilla and cacao. I'm not getting a whole lot of those up front. Um, um I think they, the they head what, contains what, a lot. What I'll of say vanilla. is like, yeah, like it doesn't quite cut through the stout flavor which is a bit more dark and uh, roasty, I guess, um, for lack of better language around that. Yeah. Um, there's like a little bit of that cacao flavor, which I can only identify having had a few beers that have cacao in it. Like, yeah, it's not like if this was my first one of those, I don't know if, yeah, if this is my first one of those, I don't know if I'd be able to go, oh, there it is. Um, no, which I don't is think kind I would of, either. Yeah, which is kind of, I guess, speaking to, I guess, some of the point of this uh, segment is, you know, kind of talking about, different beers that are in the same style kind of you know giving you that experience and familiarity to be able to draw from and go oh this tastes like that now i can see where it is with yeah. that flavor well i also think what's really interesting is that especially as we go through a period of where like we just talked about that stout i had and it's absolutely mm. mental how much all those flavors are in there sing mm. but it's like something that jordan mentioned in the last episode is that sometimes you want a stout with a hint of those flavors which is what the hop mm-hmm. nation ones are doing and i think that's what this is doing is it's yeah. very subtle vanilla very subtle cacao and mm-hmm. like you've just got a nice big roasty stout up front yeah 
Yeah, and, uh, and I I did just have a couple of sips there where the vanilla did actually come through a little bit more. Um, yeah. So it's it's yeah it's it's not like one of those big complex beers. It's there's only really a few big flavors in there, but um, there, I would say it's actually pretty well balanced between all of them. Yeah. Um, if someone told me there was coffee in there, I would believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coffee next to cacao is maybe a hard thing to discern between, but. I think especially um, in a dark roasted stout, you're probably going to get a little yeah. bit of that with the cacao anyway. Yeah, it's it's been a while actually since I've had a, a anything from from two birds. Um, mm. Not not for any reason. It's just no. So I, I haven't come across it much. Yeah, I didn't. I don't tend to go for their stuff because like I know I like it, but I tend to see if I can try something new, and they mm. tend not to go out with very high frequency releases. But every time I have their beer, I'm like, this is solid. You know. I don't think I've ever yeah. had one of theirs where I'm like, mm, disappointed or anything. Was, was it them that did the Thai PA? Am I misremembering? Maybe. It was like one of their most polarizing beers ever. I don't think I had that one, to be honest. Because it, like, it had like coriander and stuff in the flavor uh, profile and some like kind of off-putting notes for a lot of people. Um, I'm pretty sure it was them. But yeah, I, that I, sounds I like, about right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just typed in Thai PA and it came with Mikella and it also came up with two birds and three brothers, which is not helping yeah. me at all. No, it, it would have been the two birds one a few years ago. I think it was out during Good Beer Week. Mm. Um, and I'd, I'd had it as part of a, a session at the uh, Terminus in Clifton Hill, oh, uh, which does a good little guest list of taps um, usually, but their Good Beer Week tap list is especially good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just I I couldn't actually tell you right now off the top of my head like any, even any of the two birds standard range like I know Taco I know the yeah I remember that one actually uh, existing. That's great. That That's a really nice yeah. little beer. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's 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 not for lack of enjoyment or anything like that. It's just I haven't had them for a while. Yeah, totally fair. Ta- yeah. The taco beer I had years ago in a beer advent calendar. It was number one beer. Yeah. Um, and it was like the first one the advent calendar and I tried it and it was like the first time I'd had one of the advent calendars and I was like this is brilliant this really sets the scene for what's going to be a lovely Christmas and it was yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah nice. it was it was good times um, yeah um, but no I think this stout's very enjoyable I think um, yeah. I hope they continue to produce it I hope it's one of those things that becomes part of their regular roster because I think it's it's a really decent stout I'd like to try it on tap I'm sure that'd be pretty interesting as well Yeah, but I'm Do quite they... happy with it in cans I don't remember do they have uh, like a standard stout as part of their range? Ooh, I don't know. Because I don't remember having ever seen one before. They might have done like some limited release stuff in like a, a few years ago, but I don't Maybe in the tap room they might have one. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to go uh, at some point eventually yeah. when that's well, allowed. That's <laughs> it. I mean, it's around the corner, so. Great. Yeah. Well... Um, unless there's any further thoughts, no? no. Okay. Well, in that case, let's dive into it. So, um, in the spirit of um, my um, slow descent into insanity during the time of COVID, um, mm. I've done it again. <laughs> Wait, what? What do you what do you mean? <laughs> I, I, I've I've um I killed again. No, I've slightly um um. So I had this beer a couple of times. And I was like, yeah, great, love that. Let's start writing the episode. 
And then when I picked it up today, I was like, do be do do do. Not today, sorry. When I when I when I went to like I started writing the episode, and when I looked at it in the fridge the other day, when I messaged you and was like, do you mind if it's a little loose? And you were like, mm, how loose? I was like, look, it's fine. It's just that for some reason I thought the word was Swedish. Oh. <laughs> I see. So I picked, I decided to talk about our other favorite stupidly named stuff that is prevalent <laughs> in my life right now, which is massive, massive, massive amounts of IKEA furniture that is delivered on a nightly basis to my house. I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> well, I want to talk about how IKEA took over the world. Oh, okay. But I, because I thought it was a Swedish word, I was like, great. <laughs> Like, it reminded me of all the uh, fun names that IKEA furniture is. And then I was yeah. like, doopy doo doo doo. I yeah. know, but it was finished. And I was I, like, doopy yep. doop doo bollocks. I've already written the episode. <laughs> I can see how you got there. But, oh, you're so wrong. But yeah. But the other thing is, I like if you tell Scandinavians, like, Finnish and Swedish is not even that close. And then no. the other thing is that, like, not two episodes, no, a few episodes ago, I did the same thing with Left Hand Giant. Yeah, you did. You just misread the can, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> Maybe there's some kind of correlation between all the booze and the misreading. Who knows? Yeah, let's not pull that thread because I might have my own revelations that come out. <laughs> okay. Not, I'm not ready for that on a Monday night. All right. So, well, we'll get straight into it then. And I'm going to say at the top, the founder of IKEA, who I'll talk about quite a bit at length in uh, his history has a pretty um, significant period uh, in his youth where he spent a lot of time with some quite hardcore Swedish neo-Nazis and nationalists. I was hoping it wouldn't go there. Well, I'm not. I, what I was going to say was I'm not going to really touch on that because it's been well-established and well-documented. And it was... See, I did, I, did, I did not know. I don't know a damn thing about the person that started IKEA. Well, he was a Nazi for a while. Um, right. It was when he was about 16, 17. And it was, it was one of those things that he's come back and sort of said, it was a really stupid period of my life, and it's something I regret massively. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in giving people second chances, um, and, you know, within reason. Um, so I don't really want to cover that in this, but I feel like if I didn't talk about it... Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, statistically, we always talk about Nazis at least once. Yep, that's... Uh, look, that's Godwin's Law. You have mm. a podcast go on long enough, eventually it starts talking about Nazis. Yeah. We haven't done an episode on Nazis yet. That's too sad. I'd, yeah, I'd pr- prefer not to. We're a pretty chess podcast, yeah. I like to think. <laughs> All right. So, um, IKEA was founded by, uh, and I've done it again, uh, by... Oh, e- no. You have to say a whole bunch of Swedish shit. Yes, I do. Uh, you moron. was founded by Ingvar Kamprad in... Uh, founded by Ingvar Kamprad. I'll just lean don't, really don't fucking into it. I'll just do like don't Swedish do chef. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, Goodbye, Swedish listeners. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't find out if we had any shit. Um, we uh, now. So Ingvar founded IKEA in 1943 as a business selling household goods, pens, picture frames, wallets, and such. Um, and he founded it in a place called uh, <coughs> uh, Almholt in Smarland, um, a relatively rural area. People live a pretty sort of thrifty, meager existence. Not, you know, to do them a disservice, but it's quite remote and quite, you know. Um, it's not well sort of or at the time it wasn't well serviced by major cities so it wasn't like they had loads and loads of free 
access to consumer goods so that it was one mm. of the things was they had to make do with what they had and they had to make the most of the things sure. um to make things last etc and the companies do say it's one of the guiding principles of their company is to have things that are affordable and usable and utilitarian and people will use uh yeah yeah i mean that's kind of my impression yeah. uh, of, of of ikea's products i think they've done a good job yeah. um also worth noting um the Swedish uh, area that it was in, Smarland. Um, would you like to guess what Smarland is in English? Um, small land? Yes. Great. <laughs> so some of this is really easy for me. The rest of yeah. it not. Um, <laughs> so IKEA stands for Ingvar Kamprad Elmtayard Argunyard. Argunyard? No, no. <laughs> God Argunyard. Um which is the name of the farm and nearby town where he grew up. Okay. And uh, no, I won't be repeating those again because I think I just caused a stroke. <laughs> just, hey, if, if, if you want to hear that again, I don't know. It's probably on Ikea's website. Check it out there. Or you could just hit the back 15 seconds thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, this is going to be hell for you. Yeah, I don't know why I do this to myself. Like, there are a couple of languages that I don't speak but i can read the english of and pronounce it easily yeah yeah yeah. like spanish japanese chinese and i've not picked a single one where it was about any of those yeah why not just do anything about british history there's tons of it oh fuck anyway um let's talk about some swedish because all of it's really sad all right yeah so as i say the area being quite remote the necessity to sell to customers in big cities was solved by the introduction of the very first ikea catalog which growing up was a staple in my household um if for nothing else than to provide a foundation for the building because they were so large um yeah right that see this is weird right because i was only ever exposed to ikea after moving to melbourne seven years ago so i will probably touch on that um in a little bit but i do happen to know that there are no ikeas in new zealand i'm pretty sure there are now aren't there no you have ikea resellers Oh, man, I could have sworn there was at least one in Auckland. I don't believe that- so, unless it's very recent, because I, I looked and it, I didn't see any in New Zealand, but I know that, and I didn't know IKEA resellers was a thing, but that's how they've gotten around it. Huh, weird. Mm, doesn't it? Um, but the first IKEA catalogue debuted in 1951. Huh, which, that's, uh, that's mental. Like, this is a very long time ago. I was very surprised by that. Yeah, but... Then you think about, like, Nintendo has existed since before the year 1900. Yeah, they were doing playing cards and stuff, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Like, I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if you'd said IKEA had been around longer than that. Well, 43 isn't bad. I mean, the founder is still alive, so. Okay. Um, also, if you're ever interested in looking up, um, there's a list of the longest-running companies that are still running today. All and, right. um like seven out of the top 10 are Japanese and like a lot of them are like construction companies and stuff that have just been going for forever. Hey man, people always need to build shit. Well, yeah, but I mean like they've they've never stopped existing in that time sort of thing. Yeah. Like continuous existence and continuous trading. And then like there's a couple of them as well that are still in the same family. Um, Wow. Which I'll not bother going into, but that's always a bit dodgy. Without sounding like casting aspersions, the Japanese cheat that system a little bit. Huh. It's not that interesting. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Swedish. <laughs> so Let's go uh, back to that. Yeah. So in the first IKEA catalog was actually the first time they started selling furniture. Um, the rationale was that good design shouldn't just be available to people with money and that actually you could provide design and nice stuff to people for a good price without charging the premium for that luxury element, which yeah, okay. I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah. And it didn't actually take long. Uh, 1956, when the first flat pack product came out of IKEA. Oh, okay. I just assumed that was like, Something that was, uh, you know, core to their products the whole time. Well, it is now, but yeah, it was but... it was five years after the first catalog. Huh. Okay. So they were, like before that they were doing pre-built, yeah, handmade that's, that, sort that's of stuff right. because yeah, because um, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, at the time the idea of flat pack stuff just wasn't really around. No, I suppose, and you would have had to get like all the manufacturing and logistics around that set up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the first product that was flat pack was a thing called the Love It table. I don't know, maybe Love It. Um, it's a kind of brown triangular table which sort of resembles a leaf, the way that they've got the wood grain on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have seen this item because it was recently reintroduced to the IKEA range in 2013 as the Love and Back, no, Love which I think is quite funny because um, okay. I can only yeah. assume it means like the return of the love or something. Um, yeah. But they are a collector's piece now as much as uh, the old ones. But if you buy the current ones, you can store them away and it's quite likely they're going to become worth money uh, in time, which I think is quite I'd interesting. Like, I'd never considered that there would be a collector's market for IKEA furniture. Yeah, hugely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's mad. I didn't realize either, but yeah. Man, yeah. There's a collector's market for everything though. That, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like You pick anything that's been going on long enough and you cannot get any more and chances are there's someone out there that will pay a silly amount of money to get their hands on it. Some of the mad ones, for example, Beanie Babies and McDonald's toys. Yeah. And yeah. The McDonald's Beanie Babies, which... That's a dangerous Venn diagram crossover. Yeah. Uh, I recently got into a conversation with somebody because I found out I had what could possibly be a very rare and expensive Beanie Baby, so my grandmother shipped it to me. Unfortunately, I'd cut the label off. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. He was a crab, and his name is Claude, which I think is very funny. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, the whole idea uh, of flat packing was that um, it was adding a massive expense to ship products in a built state, but... Um, removing the legs of this table and then reattaching them at home it was a really simple thing you didn't have to have any knowledge about you know furniture building or even woodwork or mm. anything you could mm. just do it and the idea actually came because they saw a member of staff take one of these tables home and to transport it they just removed the legs and put it in their car and they were like huh <laughs> what Fuck. that but what if everyone did that yeah and in my head as well, it's even funnier because, of course, it's in Sweden. So they're driving a massive Volvo, uh, like one of them big old Volvo tanks. And it's yeah. like, uh, you don't really need to remove the legs to get it in there. And they're like, no, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> and then it's just like, it's just rattling around in a massive amount of space in the back of this Volvo. Yeah. Hmm. That oh, was man. my Swedish accent. You're absolutely welcome. Um, yeah. Well, um, so it's... I'll- it wasn't long after this they actually started designing their own furniture after it became apparent uh, that their competitors who used uh, similar suppliers for parts and items um, were pressuring the suppliers to boycott IKEA out of fear of like the fact that IKEA was going gangbusters. 
Yeah, and I guess if IKEA's whole thing is like we'll do it for a lower price, um, yeah, then the, yeah, there's fears of them losing everything because they're getting undercut. Yeah, okay, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, they end up saying like, well, fuck it, I'll build my own IKEA with blackjack and hookers. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, actually, instead, what they did is they built their own IKEA with the best thing about IKEA, the meatballs. Um, you know. I'm going to tell you now. You've never I've had. Never ha- I've never had food at IKEA. Dude, it's actually great. I mean, it's not, but it's good and it's fun. Like, because like every time I've gone to IKEA, it's at least a little bit of a nightmare. Um, I try to optimize for getting out as quick as possible. See, I love IKEA. I don't have a oh, bad no, time in IKEA. I also love it, but the t- most of the times I've gone for one reason or another, I couldn't go there unless it was at a time when it was somewhat busy. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so it just ends up being a bunch of people milling around, not knowing how to stand in a space without taking up too much of it. Yeah, everyone sees something absolutely insane when lockdown cracks again. Um, go and look at the people trying to get into IKEA. We went to Freedom Furniture, um, mm-hmm. not an ad, um, recently. And the queue to get into IKEA, you probably were going to be waiting like two hours. And people what? were still joining it rapidly. They've got online shopping, though. Don't talk to me about that. I'm waiting on a cabinet that's sold out in the store that they ship from. But it's available in my local store, but I can't click and collect it because they won't let me right now. So yeah. right now, I'm furious with IKEA. Okay. Still but we're going to talk about them anyway. Yeah, I still love you, baby. Um, <laughs> so they opened their first restaurant in IKEA in 1960. Like, this is the thing that blew my mind is like, all how... Or, long all of these dates are like i kind of figured that yeah. in my head like ikea must have just happened in the 70s or 80s but like all this stuff is so old yeah yeah so it was um the ikea meatballs and the ikea restaurant predates the billy bookcase and poang chair which are like two of the like classic ikea pieces yeah that you the, everybody knows and if you everybody, look at every everybody knows the billy yeah, it's it's like it's a cultural touchstone. Um, yeah. And if you look up Poang Chair, you'll know which one it is because you'll recognize it and be like, oh, it's that one. Um, yeah, it'll be like the uh, the Calax system, like the big open grid of squares shelving, the one that I've got, like yeah. three of upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Like iconic. Yeah, absolutely right. And somehow they did a restaurant before they did all those things. And like that's more, that's yeah. older. But yeah, um, but international expansion happened pretty quickly um in the 1970s so bear in mind flat pack started in six in what was it 60 in 56 mm-hmm. um by the end of the 70s they had stores in norway denmark switzerland germany australia canada austria and the netherlands and sweden wait australia goes that far back yes what the fuck so if that seems kind of crazy to you um there it's is the other side of the fucking planet <clears throat> yeah uh, when you think about it, that means there has been an IKEA store in Sydney for 45 years. No. IKEA, IKEA Sydney is older than Freddie Mercury, King Henry IV, Nat King Cole, and Hassan ibn Ali, grandson of the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, Just to give you... Hell- I mean, that's a hell of a list of names for one thing, but holy shit. Yeah. Thanks. I, I picked up the four funnest people who died at 44. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 45 Man. years of IKEA. IKEA is old enough to have some spurious grandkids. Yeah, potentially, I guess. Not spurious, some, but like a bit suspect. Some, 
some tiny little billies running around. Hey, very good. <laughs> very good indeed. I'm into that. Uh-huh. Um, so at this point, expansion was so rapid and it was so like intense and they just getting them out done that um, West German executives were set to open a store in a city called Koblenz. Uh, but in the rush, mistook it, built, fit out and opened a store in a place called Costanz by accident. <laughs> what? Costanz is 433 kilometers away from Koblenz. Do they just like do a typo and they're like, yeah, send it. No, they, 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 they literally like, were like, yep, whatever. And got in the van and just built a store. <laughs> and they're not small either. No, they're significant. And it, it must have been taken a while as well. But it was happening so quickly that it wasn't until like it was at least significantly amount done. 433 kilometers from where it was supposed to be. that They were like, ooh. Yeah. Did, did they then like spawn an entire new city around the new Ikea? Like, I mean... I guess to that, justify it being there. I guess, I guess that what like, in reality <laughs> happened is they probably were like, hmm, Costanz, and then went and, um, or Koblenz, and then went and were like, where was it? Costanz? All right, get planning permission sorted. But in my head, what happened was they were like, right, load the trucks, let's go. And they just found a piece of open waste ground and started building. Yeah, it's like when you, uh, you create, like a, what is it, a settler in Age of Empires, and you send them off to start a town, and then you put them in the wrong spot, and you're like, well, fuck, I've put the town here. Yeah, this is where we live now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this was um, this this uh, like rapid expansion didn't stop uh, across the 80s. IKEA finally reached the US and the UK. So it was in Australia before it was in the US and the UK. I It was in Canada uh, before it was in the US. That, like these just, things seem a bit mad to me. Yeah. Like I almost don't believe you, <laughs> but I know that you've done the research. <laughs> sure. You, you would assume so. But the fact that I got the name of the beer wrong straight off, like who knows? <laughs> uh, look. Wrong-ish. That's got the <laughs> country wrong. Um, yeah. So, and in the 90s, like, uh, with with all this expansion, IKEA started to grow a bit of a conscience, um, which is kind of quite nice. Um, it obtained and ran its own sawmills to ensure better efficiency in its forestry. Um, okay. It became part of the Forestry Stewardship Council. I believe it said it was one of the first or the biggest companies to do so. And it started employing a specific forest manager as part of the uh, team. Yeah. Um, so they, they, yeah, they really kind of wanted to be sure that they were not having too negative an impact on the world with what was essentially yeah. quite short-lived furniture, you know, and lots of packaging materials. Um, yeah. So they also started uh, diversifying their ranges as well. So this is when they started introducing things like the kids' range, everyday use in the kitchen range, which is called IKEA 365. If we don't get some free IKEA stuff for this, by the way, I'm going to be upset. Um, I can't and- wait to tag them. <laughs> my god it's gonna be so weird (laughs) let's cut the nazi bit um hashtag not sponsored yet uh god imagine if that's our sponsor we get ikea look man see how this goes i guess well let me tell you about what the next thing that happened and maybe so on 9th of october 1999 ikea held the big thank you event as a millennium reward for the many co-workers which is what they call employees co-workers which Uh i think is quite nice of the ikea group the total of all sales worldwide was divided amongst all co-workers do do you happen to know like how much we're talking 85 million euros and how many workers now that's the thing there's quite a lot of people at ikea yeah like it's in the tens of thousands 
Yeah, but I mean, eighty-five million is still a fair amount to split up. Yeah, this I think I think it worked out as they got like a grand or so each. It was it was pretty nice. Like, yeah, I forget exactly, but um, yeah, there's a uh, there might have even been a hundred thousand at this point or something. So wow, they all got a decent. Um, I mean, fuck, it's a one-day bonus. They just get an extra grand for no reason, and it was yeah. nineteen ninety-nine. That's a shedload of money. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what a nice thing to do. Yeah. Like, cause this is the thing, like, whenever I see, like, um, oh, Amazon's profits this year were X billion. It's like, why don't you just take a slice of that and divide it amongst those people that do the shit jobs at Amazon? Just yeah, do make not, them feel a little bit. Yeah. Do not get me started on Amazon or this podcast will go on for a lot longer and take a very different turn. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. The anti-capitalism podcast is next week when you present. Uh-huh. Well, two weeks. Um, so plenty more expansion and working harder to protect the workers. They they had pretty good um, employment policies and stuff like that. Um, they worked hard to reduce their environmental impact. Uh, so which I, one act which I thought was really cool is that um, since two thousand and eight, IKEA have done its meetings online. Really? Yes. What? They are twelve years ahead of the curve. Two thousand and eight, they had their meetings online, so people don't have to fly between countries to hold meetings. Huh? How awesome is that? I mean. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I never worked at IKEA. I'm trying to think. Like, what sort of meetings they would have? But I'm, I'm just to trying that. to think what system they'd be using in 2008. Yeah, oh, MSN yeah, Messenger. That's what I was going to say. Is like it's easy now. There's tons of shit to choose from to do uh, an online meeting. Well, but, I imagine there would have been like an enterprise grade Skype type thing back then. Yeah, it wouldn't have been good though. Skype's not good now. No, it would have been. Well, just I'm. I'm just imagining 2008 era webcam quality. Yeah, and bandwidth. Actually, it was probably yeah. not videos. Yeah, probably not, but even still. Yeah. Man, that's wild. Isn't it? I think that's kind of kind of really cool. Weirdly prescient. Yeah. Um, they also do a, a ton of charity involvement and stuff like that. Um, I never really got a, a history up to their sort of mid-2000s, so I, I mm-hmm. didn't want to go into what they've been up to recently, partly because, don't know. Um, <laughs> but I do want to talk about why IKEA works. Um so I read a few different articles about this and um, like a boob, I forgot to write down my sources, but I'm pretty sure those pages are open somewhere on this laptop because I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven instances of Chrome open. Um, All right. Uh, some That's of them have few. like 30 or 40 tabs. This laptop oh my- is going to melt to slag at some point. Yeah. Um, so it's also running Zoom, Spotify and Slack. How is that thing still working? It's actually a really good laptop. I turn it off once a month. How often do you close your web browser? <laughs> uh, once every two, three weeks. Goodness me. Yeah, my laptop hates me. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. When it gains sentience, <laughs> I won't blame it for what it does. Nuh-uh. Um, so, yeah, a few of the different websites were things like furniture blogs, things like um, psychology um, reviews, psychological reviews, um, you know, business articles. One of them I read, which was really interesting, was uh, an article by another furniture manufacturer just saying, mm-hmm. like, yeah, fair play, IKEA a genius. This is why no one else will ever compete. Um, yeah. And one of the things they said was that it's a masterpiece of reverse engineering. So to understand how it works, you look at IKEA's boxes. Every other company purchases boxes to fit the furniture you know they make the furniture and they say okay we need a box this big ikea does not design boxes to fit the furniture they design they say here is the size of a box make sure the furniture fits in it really yes 
They don't they don't like strip it down to flat pack and then go, all right, just wrap a box around this thing. Mm-mm. So their boxes are that designed is so counterintuitive. It is, but the boxes are designed specifically to reduce shipping and storage costs. Uh yeah, so I guess they're like they're designing it as if it's like a set of Lego where there's like predefined sizes. Yeah, I think that's for the different case. pieces. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I and can then, see that. And then the warehouses and stores are designed specifically to efficiently store the boxes. Yeah. Um, and then the flat pack boxes themselves minimize shipping and storage costs by allowing the most products to be packaged into a single container ship. Wow. So they Man, Tetris I'd, I'd, the fuck out of themselves. Yeah, I'd never considered they did that backwards like that. I had never heard of anything like that before. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. It's yeah. cool, isn't it? It's, it's probably yeah. mind-blowing. Um, yeah. But it, that's just one element of it. So it goes on. So this is uh, different sources now. I'm going to just c- jump around a little bit. But So mm-hmm. value being at the heart of their products. Um, IKEA decides on the price of a product before manufacturing and then works backwards to make the product work for that price. No, come on. <laughs> what? <laughs> How insane is like, that? Yeah, you're going to charge just much, much for it. What about cost of goods? I don't know. Make it work. So, what so, the hell? So obviously they'll go through a scoping phase and be like, okay, well, like this is what a reasonable cost for that should be. And then it'd yeah. be like, now we have to source the goods and make sure it's under that. Oh, I'm having a hard, hard time getting my head around this. Yeah. Everything seems so backwards. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they do up in Scandinavia, man. Um, is it? I've never been, but holy shit. That is wild. I know. Friend of the show, TJ, who doesn't listen anymore because he's scum. You can tell us if you listen to this episode. He's Uh been. Um, So keeping designs simple with flat, uncomplicated forms and a small range of colors takes advantage of massive economies of scale. So if you think about it, most IKEA things come in black, white, or wood. Yeah, and they're, for the most part, right angles and flat sides. Yes. They absolutely are, which again means packing them is an absolute piece of piss. Yeah. Producing them is an absolute piece of piss. Um, design is only one element of it, but then storage, everything. So economies yeah. of scale blown off the charts when you don't have to do complicated shapes and stuff like that. Everything can be CAD automated, etc. Yeah, and and it and the designs are not too far removed from like Scandinavian minimalism. Well, absolutely. And it results in what's known as a high aesthetic per dollar ratio. Yeah, because everything is like that cool kind of semi-minimalist, like I guess like simplicity design. Yeah, and like I, you know, not all IKEA furniture is necessarily to my taste, but the stuff that I have, I I quite like. You know, it's easy to put together. It's cheaper. It looks it looks decent. It's easy to fit into a decor. Yeah, hundred percent. But then also, it's introduced me to like different forms of decor through like again that sort of minim- minimalism style. Um, to where I've looked at like high-end minimalist furniture manufacturers that exist here in Melbourne, just to be like, what would it look like if you spent, you know, three times the price to get something in that style? And like, there's some nice stuff out there, but then it's like the di- the difference between what IKEA makes and what they make. It's like I don't know if it's quite enough for me to justify that cost yet. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you that know? leads me perfectly onto when the brain looks for a single defining characteristic between brands, and if it's not easy to pick out, they fall back on value. Yeah, you, you you literally set me up perfectly for that, and that's that's amazing. But but that's that's literally it. Is that the 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 design language of IKEA, which we have all sort of come to know, is one of simplistic, um, but not boring design. Mm. 
mm. and it creates uh, an interesting thing for a price point that is reasonable. Yeah. Um, so even um, get, so we're going to get into the stores a little bit now. Um, so obviously, store design is a massive thing for any kind of um, large retailer, whether it's you know something like IKEA or something like a supermarket. Mm-hmm. So people know obviously about things like supermarkets place their more expensive products at eye level. Um, you know yep. they they pump the smell of bread in. Milk is at the back, so that you have to go all past everything else to get to it. All smart. Yeah. Um, the maze-like store of IKEA subconsciously keeps people comfortable by mocking up room settings and furniture in a natural environment mm. rather than just having rows upon rows of furniture. They present it in rooms. And Yeah, that- I mean, I've always appreciated that because it gives you an idea of how it looks in context. Yeah, in situ. It's brilliant. Mm. But on top of that, you do feel like you're in a home. So you don't yeah, feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and then, on top of that, they then pepper new or unexpected, like, more unusual items throughout the store in between these comfort zones. So things like, for example, one that did the um, rounds on social media a little while ago, giant cuddly shark. Okay. Um, If you type in IKEA shark on the internet, you'll see this quite adorable giant cuddly shark they were selling. People got it and mocked it up into all kinds of different like situations and positions and like dress up and stuff like that. It's great fun. Mm -hmm. But they put random things like that or the big like stuffed snake or like a random like really mad bit of design furniture in between all those rooms and mm-hmm. what that does is creates a positive trigger in the brain because it gives you the thrill of discovery because you're going yeah. from something comfortable 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 and then you're like wow look at that that's so mad and it gives you like a thrill of excitement and it keeps you comfortable but also excited yeah, this uh, this episode plus my uh, bachelor's in psychology is going to have me completely reevaluating IKEA the next time I get inside of it. Yeah, mate, just you wait, um, man. So uh, the stores use copious amounts of the color white, uh, uh-huh. te- a technique used by Apple quite quite heavily. Um, mm. It's pretty easy to draw design comparisons between the two. Um, but simple lines, colors, uncomplicated designs, minimalism, and integration of features. Um, all of these sort of things that are shared by both um, uh, both uh, organizations really just give people a sense of like cool and calm and you know yeah. um, a sense of uh, yeah, being at ease but still being it it, it it it's cool still you know it's still it's still trendy and, and fashion. yeah it's it's not just neutral and bland yes absolutely right yeah um, so. IKEA also prompts you to walk through the entire store. Like you can take shortcuts. Yeah. But you walk. I, I, I always like the way the shortcuts are indicated on the map and throughout the store. It's like, yeah. hey, there's a shortcut here. Yeah, it's like a... Don't tell anyone. You can do it if you want to. Yeah. But you walk past their entire inventory. Yeah. Now imagine, like we just mentioned supermarkets, you have to go down the back to get the milk. Imagine if to get there, you had to walk up and down every single aisle. Yeah, the other the other thing, and I've done this at IKEA, is if you fuck up and realize something you needed was back, then you've got to do parts of the loop all over again. If yeah. like you have to go back in the store, it's oh how old do you like, feel walking against the flow in IKEA? No, I I th- that's where I use the shortcuts, and I get up to the point and I skip back. It's yeah. I hate doing it. It like that moment of realization where I'm like, fuck, that thing is like three sections back. Mm-hmm. Oh come on, like. So- so you I hate walk, it. you're walking through IKEA with those with those arrows on the floor. 
it's a guided pathway. You're yeah. already giving up control. Yeah. So that you are far more suggestible when it comes uh-huh. to being persuaded to buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm real glad they've got online shopping because I can just look at it and go, that's what I want and nothing else. Yeah, shit, yeah. Walk through the kitchen section. I walk out with something different every time. Yeah, um, yeah I needed more pots. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, and An interesting thing is that people are definitely more attached to things that they have made than things that they have purchased. Yep. That that part I have considered before when it yep. comes to IKEA furniture. Mm-hmm. And while realistically all you're doing is assembling a bit of flat pack furniture, it gives you a sense of satisfaction and an attachment to it you wouldn't have if you just picked it up pre-made. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me point you to the thousands of dollars of Lego sets that I have assembled in my home. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, well, this is why, like, I love drinking my homebrew, even if it tastes yeah. a bit like shit. Yeah, you get to go, I made this, I know why it's shit, and that's yeah. important. Yeah, absolutely right. And when things come out good, because they know exactly how to make something that even an idiot can make, and it's t- turn out perfect, then... It's that much more satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with 433 iCare stores in 53 countries not to mention resellers and tw- and and in 29 global re- excuse me in 2019 global retail sales of 45.5 billion it's pretty safe to say that every person has a piece of IKEA furniture in their house look at it look it's a good bet yes. <laughs> i'll say that it's it's a cultural touchstone so much so that there are even things that like aren't even necessarily true about it that you that you now associate with IKEA because it's a, a cultural touchstone. So, for example, some of these things are true, some of these things aren't. But these are all things that we recognize as being IKEA. Um, cheaply made furniture, meatballs, missing components, um, uh, nightmarish trips with your with your partner. Like, the, the, the like comedy stereotype of, like, it's mm-hmm. a test of a relationship to go to IKEA with your partner for the first time. I mean, maybe if you've already got a rocky relationship, I've never had that. Oh, so it's it's no, it's it's a well-known like comedy touch point. It's like, oh, don't go to IKEA with your partner; you'll definitely have an argument. So much so that there's like a great episode of Thirty Rock where they go to IKEA for the first time together, um, right. as like a I, test I, of the relationship. I've, I've just never found IKEA that stressful. Like, no, yeah, I haven't it's, either. It's, but yeah, some people really like, do. It's a little bit. It's a little bit when it's busy. It's not the best, but still, I think, I think it's more that. But I also go at night because I'm a pain in the ass. Yeah, but um, yeah, like IKEA, um. I, for one, welcome our new Swedish overlords. I mean, they, they look... Not paper, new, they, even, it turns out. Yeah, I was going to say, on, on paper, they sound great and like they've been there for a while anyway. Yeah, and I mean, if nothing else, we'll get um, nice dreamy pop music. Yeah, and some square white furniture to sit on. Hmm. And if square white furniture doesn't describe me very, very accurately, then... <laughs> I don't know where you were going to take that. Me neither. <laughs> Busking it. All right. Elliot, Elliot's square white furniture spirit. It's hip to be square white furniture. There you go. All right. Um, and that was my little rundown of how IKEA became the behemoth that it is. Man. And, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to go in there with fresh eyes and well, be like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um <laughs> I've got as a little thing for the outro. If you want to have, um, you want to have, go for that. All right, let's uh, let's see what you've got in store for us. 
So I'm going to do a magical thing. I'm okay. going to share my screen. Wait, this is not going to play for the people at home. No, no, no. That's that, I know that. We're going to do... Um, I've got, uh, well, I've got um, words we don't have in English that are good words. Ah, yes. And I was going to say, I'm going to get you to pronounce them. But oh, no. you'll be able to, you'll be able to see what they mean. Well, no, let's, okay. let's do that anyway. Excuse me, I just belched right down the mic, sorry. All right, well, look, we're, we've found a version of Hebrew that can only exist in isolation. Uh, the, he- the Hebrew sh- screen share. Yeah. All right. So, Mike, would you like to give us the first one? (laughs) What you want me to just read the word here? (laughs) Yes. Because I looked at it just then and I was like, maybe I can somehow force Mike to do this. Is this is this the name of the languages in the in the parentheses there? Yeah, I'm just looking it up. That's not. Yeah, because it's Y A G A N is the language. Yeah. If if I'm correct, it's um, the language of Tierra del Fuego in South America. Uh, I am right. It's pronounced Yagan. Um. Yes, let's go with that. All right, um, well, that's the language. That's not the word that I'm supposed to say. <laughs> so there is one native speaker, um, and they were 91 years old last year. Who do they possibly talk to? Well, it's a native language to Argentina and Chile, and there are 1,700 Yagan people, or Yaghan people, uh, mm. or there was in 2002. And um, presumably, there is one native speaker who speaks that as his primary language, or her primary language. Okay. Uh, do you want me to maybe try and put it into some um, what's it called S- syllables for you? No, no, I, I I can see it. It's it's nice and clear. I'm just trying to uh, dry run it in my head uh, before I try to <laughs> do it with my mouth. Let me just um, um, let me just um, for the listeners at home. Uh, I think it's that or oh, Control Shift C. It is um, seventeen letters long. Yes. Uh, uh, Mami la pina tape. Uh, hey, I think that's a bloody good approximation. If it's not, I mean, for the record, I didn't look up pronunciation guides for any of these, so yeah, let's okay. go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is the wordless, meaningful look shared by two people who both desire to initiate something but are both reluctant to do so. And oh I my think goodness. that is so specific, but we've all done it. That look of being like, uh, let's do it. It, uh, my, my first instinct was like that kind of awkward teenage romance. So the, I, I don't know if it's that or if it's like, no? should we get them sectioned or not? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Just hypothetically. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, different, different, but, you know. Yeah, so so I guess for those at home, me trying to pronounce this word, it's spelled M-A-M-I-H-L-A-P-I-N-A-T-A-P-E-I. Uh, man, that's a, that's a real mouthful. Oh, yeah, quite so. Um, the next word we have is from a language that um, I know a lot of people won't be familiar with, but it's from a part of the UK called Wales, and um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pronounced Welsh. Fucking dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm actually, um, I actually really like this, and I, and I, um, I actually think that this one is probably one that I, I think is very, very um, understandable for myself. 
Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we'd like to have a bash at the um, pronunciation, Mike. Man, given that it's Welsh and it uses basically the same characters as English, it's going to do my head in because I know it's got. I know Welsh has like you just pronounce things wrong with some of the letters. Uh, <laughs> you just pronounce things wrong. I mean, that is a pretty accurate representation of how to pronounce Welsh. I'm and I'm trying to like, look for a pronunciation guide, and I got nothing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if Welsh have rolled R's or not, because um, there's one of those in here. It's it's spelled H-I-R-A-E-T-H. I'm going to go with Hraith. Okay. Um, or half, like it seems close to the word half. Um, so, Do uh, we have it in English? I'll, um, I'll give you my best approximation of the Welsh. So um, just a bit of warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's as close as I can get. Uh-huh. No. Um, hang on. Let's see if I've got a little audio here. Yoraith. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have got that either. Um, so I think I got some of the sounds there, but the that first H, I did not hit the, the weird, like, sound that that had. Yeah, that weird, like, YL. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so that word, the meaning of that word is a particular type of longing for the homeland or romanticized past. So I read a little bit more into this, and it's kind of like a, it's a, um, a sort of rose-tinted spectacles nostalgia for your homeland. It's kind of like longing for something which doesn't necessarily exist. And as an expat, I it's something that I can readily attest to. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've I've probably felt some version of this as well as a couple of people that have moved away from home. Yeah. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but I really like that one. Uh, yeah. The next one, pretty easy. <laughs> Wabi-sabi. Yeah. Um, Japanese for finding beauty in imperfections, which uh, I really like. And I think yeah. they use that now. I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that's the words that they use for the, when you take pottery that's broken and you repair it with gold uh oh i've yeah i've I've heard of that process before i don't know if that's what it is but i could see it yeah i could see there being a link there yeah so my understanding is when they do the um it's like pottery cracks and you repair it with gold and then that like that concept is called wabi-sabi which is like that it's just because it's broken doesn't mean it's not perfect anymore okay or it isn't beautiful yeah yeah Oh, why I made that up? Maybe that's a... Oh, wow. There's a few more of these. You scroll down. Yeah, there's, we've, got, we've got four more. Okay. Um, so, do you want to go for the uh, for the next one? Jeez, uh, Indonesian. Um, My understanding mm. is that Indonesian is actually fairly... Um, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, phonetic. Yeah, I've just... I'll, I've never been exposed to the language, so I wouldn't even know where to guess, uh, where to, uh, where to start, so... Menkolek. I, I, I believe that's pretty accurate, it's my understanding. Yeah. Um, I really like this one because there is no word for it, and I think it's really funny. It's that game where you tap someone on their right-hand shoulder when you're on the left side and they look the wrong way. Like, <laughs> What is that? Like, how much fun is that, that it has a name? Uh, I love that they have a word for that dumb yeah, it's joke. Great. Menkolek. Like, ah, Menkolek, got him, got him. Yeah. Uh, if only there was a better name for the circle game. Oh, that. Yep. No, yeah. I, I blanked for a second while I was trying to remember what you meant. Uh, yeah. They're pro- uh, yeah. I mean, the circle game is fine. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I like that there's a word for that. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go to the next one? 
Uh, hmm. There's no. Uh, it's Espanol. No yeah, there's no uh, accents on the letters. Uh, so pena ajena. Uh, I think it'd be pena ajena. Oh, okay, yeah. But um, yeah, we could actually ask Hobbs. He speaks Spanish fully, fluently. Um, we won't. He's a he's an enemy of the show. He is. Um, but I like this one, which is to be embarrassed for someone, which I think is the basis of ninety nine percent of British comedy shows. So I can readily appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Yep. But um, yeah, I really like that. And apparently, the the word exists in German as well, which I won't I won't enforce upon you. But uh, friend shaman. Um, yeah, <laughs> it sounds so. like fr- friend shaming. Oh my god! I bet that's what it is. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Germans love a compound word, don't they? Yeah, they do. Ugh, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> so the next one, what have we got here? Another Japanese one. Do you want to have a crack? Koi no yokan. Yeah, that's pretty much right. Um, I, I love that I've decided that I can say whether it's right or not, like in some ways. If my. <laughs> I yeah, you were just saying you hadn't checked it beforehand. The Japanese I can do and Spanish I can do. Yeah, um, okay. So this one I like is not quite love at first sight, but refers to the feeling of meeting someone and knowing that it's inevitable that you'll fall in love with them. Now, I don't necessarily uh-huh. believe in like love at first sight necessarily, but I, I certainly have experienced yeah. that meeting of someone and being like, oh, shit, okay. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this this one I can get behind. Yeah. This one I like. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's I think that's really nice. I like that a lot. I like that there's yeah. a um. That's very sweet. Like, yeah, and it also it also gives like the idea of love at first sight a bit more of a a rational kind of yeah. Brother. I mean, I feel I feel like when people kind of talk about love at first sight, this is more what they're feeling or meaning. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, if, yeah. It's not quite. It's quite not quite what it's like in the movies. Put no. it that way. Uh, but I, I really like this one. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is another one from the British Isles, um, from a, uh, a small area of the UK, which is largely desolate and barren. <laughs> small area of the UK for now. Yeah, uh, a largely barren, desolate area of the UK <laughs> with a uh, a tough, barbaric people um, that inhabit it and um, take a lot of heroin called Scotland. And um, <laughs> Mike, as a, um, uh, a ginger kiwi, you feel probably quite a lot of um, uh, <laughs> shared heritage. Like I, I probably do. I don't remember where my family tree goes. <laughs> I'll be quiet and let you have a crack at the word. Tartle. It's T-A-R-T-L-E. <laughs> like I'm sure it's tartle. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to try and do a Scottish accent because I cannot. Totally fair, but... Um, the uh my my uh, i this one's probably my favorite one which is uh that moment of hesitance before introducing someone because you can't remember their name fuck yes i love this <laughs> <laughs> it's just so on brand i love no, the fact the, that there were words is, for that. is is there one in here or did you find one it's a word for when you let two people introduce themselves to each other because oh. you forgot one of their names <laughs> <laughs> do, i do that so regularly I've, I've it's not that. even funny yeah <laughs> Or, or you do the one where you were like, oh, this is Dave, Dave. And you leave it hanging for the other person yeah, to yeah. say. Dave, I'll leave the rest up to you. You know how to use words, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Such good times. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, those those are some words I think we'd be happy to introduce into the English language. Maybe not the first one because it's quite lengthy. And as we say, there's one native speaker, so it might fall a little bit on deaf ears. I mean, we've taken yeah. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is kind of in the English language now. Yeah, well, 
that 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 was what I was going to say. Is like I kind of rather than stealing or or like transliterating the words, I would rather just learn and use these words and then be like, no, this is actually an Indonesian word, which means this very specific thing. They just yeah. have a word for that, and that's like a fun bit of learning that we get to do. Um, yeah, absolutely. About other languages. Well, I've got a I've got a friend who speaks um, fluent Indonesian. He lives there, so maybe I'll ping it to him and see if he can give me a pronunciation guide and start <laughs> using it. That'd be good because I'm sure we were wrong. Yeah, and also I feel like now that I know a word for it, I'm going to start doing that thing a lot more often. <laughs> yeah, that that recency bias of just like, oh yeah, this is a thing I'd forgotten about. I'm going to do it to everyone. Yeah, it's also very funny still, even at this yeah. age. Yeah, yeah, good times. So that that was IKEA and finish and some other things some um, other words that are good and fun and i've enjoyed this well the initial plan bit of inside baseball was see if i could stretch out an entire episode on doing words like that once i realized that i couldn't do that because that was not going to be long enough i was like but the ikea thing that's perfect yeah the ikea thing's great the other thing would require you to basically do a bunch of studies into linguistics yeah and also like the ikea thing was perfect ish because we still had the swedish finish thing but well, whatever <laughs> <laughs> perfect ish <laughs> my, my, my plan for my next episode is to look at the can before i buy it <laughs> uh yeah probably read some of the words on there um yeah, yeah. novel <laughs> dear oh dear uh ah well um any last thoughts about the beer uh mine disappeared very quickly i found that very easy to drink um yeah. so it 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 got drank. Um, yeah, 6% as well. It's a nice nice doable percentage. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like I'm not on my ass in any means, but it's uh was a 1.8 standard drink. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's a nice nice little buzz out of a, what is it, 440 mil can? Uh, Probably not even. 375. No, 375. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Lovely, cozy, warm stout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, I'll have more of those. I mean, I've had three or four of those already, so I'll have more of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, folks, if you enjoyed any of that and you want to follow us on any of the social media, you can get us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hebrew Podcast. That is Hebrew Podcast at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mike. Uh, yeah. If you'd like to uh, send us an email, if that's more your speed, uh, you can do that at hello at Hebrew.zone. Uh, also a clue in there to the website, which is Hebrew.zone. Uh, which is where you can find all of the aforementioned information about social media and emails or episodes and subscription links on all the various podcast services that you can find us on. Uh, if you remember nothing else, remember Hebrew.zone because that'll, that'll get you everywhere. Yeah. Um, whatever you're listening to us on right now, hit like, hit subscribe, whatever the appropriate thing is. And if you do get the time and you want to leave us a little review, that'd be fucking fantastic and we'd really appreciate it. Also, if you are one of the listeners that's in like Brazil or Estonia, or, uh, like, Vietnam. If, you, if, you, if you're outside of a, you know, majority English-speaking country, that would Please be... Please let us know. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Because I am dying love... to know who you are. I, I would just, I would just, I would love to know what, or, like, how you found us, uh, or or potentially, like, what, what it is about the show that, um, you know, that, that, that keeps you coming back. Yeah, what do you get out of this? <laughs> I know what I get out of it, and it's an excuse to drink a beer with my friend. But yeah. um, you know, it's for all intents and purposes, we could not release these. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a very good point. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, please reach out, let us know, let's have a chat, let's yeah. open a dialogue. 
Hands across the world. <laughs> Sanitized <laughs> hands across the world. What are you doing? I don't know. I'm probably <laughs> going to call it at that. Um, yeah. This has been another episode of Hey Brew. Uh, I have been Elliot. I've been Mike. Cheers. Cheers. Ciao. Wash your damn hands. Yes, absolutely wash your hands.